You're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. Today, I'm joined by a great guest here, a special guest because he was on the very first Bounding Box podcast. I have Chris Whitmore. Chris, please introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, what's your problem? Uh, thank you, Renee. Yeah, I remember that. It's been a while. Uh, you know, it's super excited to be back. And, uh, you know, my problem is that it took this long to get on here as a solo guest <laughs> after the first after the first round. But uh, uh, really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Chris Whitmore. I'm uh, the lead product engineer for MapViewer, but I'm also a product engineer for ArcGIS Online overall. And I kind of fill uh, many roles and many hats and everything as as many others do. And uh, uh, yeah, so it's kind of like work on everything from the software to documentation to engaging with users and all of that. Super exciting stuff. You are like the go-to guy, Chris. Every time something comes up, it's like, oh, you, you should hit Chris Whitmore. He, he'll have a better answer. You know, Chris is the guy you want to talk to, man. <laughs> <laughs> they do okay, uh, well, but that, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's probably because they're busy. I'm like, go, go ask Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you be here you you work you work long enough and you kind of accumulate all the all the little bits of knowledge that you know that really kind of make a product come together and flow yeah exactly you start getting all those like little questions and stuff they're like someone told me you worked on this one thing a while ago uh do you have any insight on how that works or i'm looking into it you know those kind of questions pop up all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the biggest thing about all that is like, you know, as we're really kind of growing into a gigantic team, a gigantic company is like knowing who that person is that might be the subject matter expert or can ask a question without a huge email trail or yeah. or just kind of a lot of back and forth. And, you know, it's kind of a, an, an invaluable skill or an invaluable kind of uh, knowledge base. So how did you get your start, Ezra? Chris, you've been at Ezra for a while, right? 18 years. Wow. 18 years, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's interesting and it's fascinating. I never thought I would end up in software development because, you know, I started off in, in undergrad in engineering, uh, mechanical engineering, and I kind of didn't like the course load. I liked a lot of the topics, but it just wasn't for me at the time. And so I, I transitioned to computer science and kind of the same thing. I, I, I would write code and do great with writing the code, but I just didn't really like the, the curriculum or the courses and stuff. And, you know, and I, and, uh, so I, I finally kind of you know, thought about what I really wanted, and I and I my grades were suffering because I wasn't really interested in what I was doing, and so I took uh, some courses over the summer to improve my grades, and one of those was an intro geography class, and you know I just fell in love right there, and so at that point I didn't know anything about GIS. I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do geography. That's what I really like to do, and you know the you know whatever happens in my career after that, it's gonna happen. I'm just gonna do what I want to do, <laughs> and uh, then I then I discovered GIS out of that, and I was like, hey, this is awesome, and then so fast forward 18 years. It's something where uh, I'm back in kind of a computer science, kind of GIS, geography blend of everything. And that's ended up being the kind of the perfect balance of, you know, kind of what I like, what my skills are, and, yep. you know, what, you know, my education experience has uh, kind of grown into. Nice. That's amazing how you could take a geography degree. I got the same degree. I got a geography degree. You take that degree and it just like, you know, can blossom into something else, right? Like that you never even thought you'd be working on, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, Nesri is such a great place in the sense, like, we have English majors, we have biology majors, we have chemistry majors, you know, whether they kind of end up as developers from a coding boot camp, switching careers later, whatever. Yep. It's just kind of a melting pot of backgrounds. <laughs> now, was Ezra your first job at a school? Why is your first, like, big job at a school? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, this is kind of a wild story. Uh, you know, so I, I got my graduate degree in uh, 
and geography afterwards. You know, I kind of want to keep on going. And if you have a geography degree, you have to kind of keep on progressing <laughs> rather than just walk away with a bachelor's. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you know, I was applying around, and I applied to Esri, not really thinking that I would get anywhere. You know, Esri's kind of the the you know the big kid on the block. That's who you would really want to apply for if you can. You know, so I kind of just peppered everywhere. You know, as much as I could. And so uh, Esri flew me out for installation and release. So nothing to geography related, nothing GIS related, just hardcore working on setups. And I was like, hey, that's great. I love an opportunity, foot in the door, you know, wonderful. So I came out for an interview. And then they, after I came back, after the interview, they said, hey, you know, we loved you, but we've already filled the role, sorry. And I was like, oh man. And they're like, but we might have another role. And there was, you know, on the installation team, which I think the initial interview was on the release team. And so uh, I did another round of interviews. I'm like, hey, great. So they hired me. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I didn't know they hired me. I never got my letter from <laughs> HR until two weeks before my start date. And it was only because I reached out and it was like a mailing fiasco or something where they oh, went to wow. the wrong address or I moved or my old apartment or whatever. And so they're like, hey, your start date's in two weeks. And so, you know, my girlfriend at the time was like, out of all the places I applied for, she was like, I'm not moving to California. You know, I'm from West Virginia, kind of a country guy, rural raised, same thing with my wife. She's like, I'm not going to Southern California. And I was like, well, guess what we're going to do here in two weeks? <laughs> I can't turn this down. You know, and I want us to stay together. So we just kind of made an impromptu decision and, you know, uh, UPSed all of our stuff out to us, drove across the country in five days, and then just started at Esri, you know, and the, kind of from there kind of was on the installation team then for – uh, seven years, and I really liked it. You know, I really liked all the people, and I really kind of felt it was a kind of foundational piece of understanding what Esri does, you know, working on the, uh, the actually installable bits, kind of knowing what each product does, how they correlate to each other. And then as part of being installation and release, it was kind of like I got to play with everything. So I got to kind of be experienced with all of the kind of the full suite of products at the time, uh, which is then really cool is that at the towards the end of the seven years, I was kind of working more on the server-based setup. So I was helping kind of uh, – you know, do R&D for how to set up IES servers, how we integrate from the software side, and then kind of working on the design for how those setups would look. And then I got pulled into, uh, uh, at the time, Enterprise was portal for ArcGIS, but it wasn't even a COTS product, so you couldn't even, like, install it. It was a zip <laughs> file that professional services would have engaged and everything else. You know, and online was kind of this, you know, very just, you know, just getting started, you know. So uh, part of my task and what I was leading on the install team was then to make portal for RGS into a real installable setup, which required all the server integration, database setup and everything. So it really kind of, you know, laid the footwork for being an online and really understanding how the, you know, the databases work together, how they, how they uh, kind of uh, worked with the UI and all these pieces. So we could basically set it up on somebody's machine or somebody's internal environment with hopefully just a click of the button and some, you know, posts set up and totally minimizing how much effort goes into what a user <laughs> had to do at the time to do that. But that was, that was the goal. And it, uh, and so a, a cool thing out of that, it was kind of like, as I was tinkering that, you know, I would take the, the MySQL database out of portal and I'd turn it into a QA server to test portal. Oh, wow. So nice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had like a UI with it, you know, do the testing and then uh, the automated testing and then update the UI. And I stored it basically in the same MySQL tables that Enterprise was running off of at the time. Um, <laughs> so it's all really cool stuff that then, you know, I was like, all right, I'm ready to move off the installation team. And then, you know, I never heard of like ArcGIS Online or Jeremy Bartley or anything at that time. It was just kind of, it was so, it was so new. And so I talked to the server team who I've been working with quite a bit, like Ann Rulin and Derek Weatherby and stuff. And they're like, hey, we got the perfect person we should introduce you to. This team might be something that's a fit for you. 
you know, and then so now uh, 11 years later, wow. you know, it you know, definitely has been and stuff and, you know, it's pretty tremendous. And, you know, you wouldn't think that, like I said up front, it's like installation release, not much GIS related, but it was super, you know, it was a great opportunity to kind of be exposed to all this stuff. And that knowledge is still knowledge that I use to this day, you know, for, you know, random things that, you know, really nobody else has been exposed to because we're so encapsulated, you know, when removed from some of those lower tier bits, you know, that that wasn't the case at the time. So it was, it was really cool. That's neat because yeah, you gather all that domain knowledge. I mean, especially you're doing server installs. I mean, people have so many different setups, right? Just in like the whole 32 bit to 64 bit thing, you know, decade, two decades ago, whatever that everybody did, and the nightmare that, that was and stuff. And yeah, Microsoft server updates and different Linux installs, and who knows what doing what, right? So that's just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a ton. And, you know, just thinking about it now is kind of like, you know, you know, calm developers and all sorts of developers have to be very knowledgeable about this stuff. So it was really kind of, in, you know, working on the other side of what really developers do. It just wasn't working on the, the functionality side. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how do you take some of that knowledge now? Now you're working online and online is like, it, it's a it's a huge platform, right? It's not just like, oh, you go and you make a map online and publish some maps. Or, there's like a whole ton of like apps and products built around the whole online concept of platforms stuff like that. How do you like manage, like you, you, know, you manage map viewers and stuff like that, but you've also got all these other people dependent on stuff you're doing. So, I mean, how does that kind of work for you? Oh uh, gosh, it, it, it feels like a lot of chaotic jazz. You know, but ultimately work with a ton of tremendously talented, hardworking people to where, you know, there's I don't think there's really any spots in online where anything or anyone or any team is micromanaged. You know, it's kind of like we all work together, we all collaborate. And so that really kind of affords us kind of this asynchronous process where it's like you don't have to have be on top of somebody from day to day to like, hey, what's happening? It's like we can have the touch points that are, you know, that might vary from project to project or team to team. But ultimately, it's kind of like we all work together and stuff. And, you know, some things go better than others some things are rougher than others but ultimately it's all kind of growing experiences learning experiences for everyone and you know and it kind of helps everyone get on the same page and you know it's ends up being you know just kind of something we all bring together and share knowledge and you know you know uh, uh teaching teams and stuff on how to be good citizens in our ecosystem and everything and you know and that you know requires kind of a lot of internal outreach a lot of like back to knowing who the key person is like hey we got this thing we need this is a technical bit that you know you need to prioritize and if you came from you know the top down for it it might be lost in a lot of conversations about what does this really mean but if you talk to the right technical people that could appreciate what this really means for them they can help prioritize to get on the same page you know with with what you know core online is doing or what the js api is doing or or you know whatever piece is really trying to drive whatever is being updated that's what I think when, when you'll hear people say this a lot about Ezra is that it's like a, a flat structure, right? It's not like if I need to contact someone for something in another group, I don't have to go through their manager to get contact. And I just contact someone directly whenever I need to, right? It's not like, it, and it makes things very quick. It makes, it makes us able to get the communication done quickly and get things fixed quickly or get issues prioritized, like you said. I, I really like that about Esri. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know, it's, I, I think I would really struggle at a place that had a lot of like hierarchy and red tape to, yeah. kind of, you know, uh, to do a lot of things. But that also then means you have to rely on, you know, uh, 
found, you know, kind of critical processes and structure on how things are going to come together so that everybody has a clear understanding of like, you know, what the kind of the, the operating picture is of, 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 of what we need to do. And, uh, you know, so that's where the emphasis is rather than like this top down structure. Yeah. Like we live on GitHub enterprise, right? Like this issues yeah. after issues after issues, like here's the link to an issue. Can you take a look? Here's the link to another one. Yep. Take this one out too. <laughs> like that is like our bread and butter on a day to day, which is nuts. It's just a, a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like to, like, everyone's working through a release cycle and stuff. When everyone's getting stuff done, then when it leads up to release, there's always, like, a, an email that I'll go out and go, hey, all right, we're getting ready for release here. Stuff people, just so you know, these are things going in. This is going to be planned to do. So let's all, like, work together and make sure stuff gets done, right? And there's always a, an email after, too. Like, hey, release is done. Great job. No, this this and this came up, and, you know, but we, we got it. It's cool. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> And I always trip out too because we do a ton of our own like sanity tests, right? I mean, everyone's got their own test suite and stuff, but we all like use it. Everyone jumps on our staging and QA servers and we play around with things, but it never fails, man. Once it gets into like a user's hand, oh, this uh, this is one weird thing here. It's like, ah, damn it. Okay, all right, all right, we, we got it. We're we could fix it. Don't worry about it. They'll be in there tomorrow. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, that's that's you know, kind of you know, having a uh, having a, a you know software as a service or a product as a service kind of is that balance right is kind of like is you can break somebody but you can fix them the next day and so we put a lot of effort into not breaking somebody yeah but you know if that happens you know then the next day is just going to be patched and you know updated and stuff but you know i definitely want to stress the, the <laughs> emphasis on not breaking people the level of discussion that goes into you know recognizing that so many users uh, have mission critical applications processes services yep. data out there and that they need to they need to keep flying after the release yeah exactly people are relying on a lot of these uh, apps especially like map viewers stuff they're part of their critical workflows and everything so we definitely want to make sure that everything works at a base level while we're still adding features without just like wrecking your day right <laughs> yep <laughs> um uh that's cool i i i am uh i'm glad though that i don't work on installations because actually working on the working <laughs> on the cloud is is much easier for doing patches in that regard not that it's easy but not having actually ship patches is is is, is much better <laughs> oh that's gotta be a ton of fun so <laughs> Do you get a lot of uh, contact with all different product teams, like a dashboard or uh, story maps and stuff like that? Like, is that easier for uh, you to kind of manage? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's kind of the same thing of what you're saying with the flat structures. Like, you know, we have, you know, between the teams, we have a lot of larger meetings and stuff, a lot of coordination points. And, you know, and there, there's so much it's really hard to cover at those higher level meetings. Uh, you know, it ends up being a lot of a lot of teams coming together, so it's really kind of the higher level content. But with the flat structure, is that we end up having the back channels of communications, and it may be around a specific product or a specific functionality or something. If it is a like something like a JSAPI update that would impact story maps, that updates dash you know, impacts dashboards, you know, then we might have more focus and strategy on what that means, what updates are necessary, and then coordinate more closely. But you know, it's 
the one thing 18 years of being here at Esri has afforded is kind of like the understanding and balance of kind of like when you need that kind of that fine grain, like, hey, we have to make sure that we're on the same page for this one to under, you know, understand yeah. that we're all going out together versus, hey, we can have a, you know, a, a, a stage release of this. It's not critical that this one goes out at this time, but we have to get this out for right here for Map Viewer to kind of go ahead for a critical customer. You know, we can't wait, you know, so it is, you know, those kind of conversations where that kind of stuff ends up kind of balancing. Then, of course, with enterprise, right, because, you know, enterprises then you know coming a release behind online picking up everything and so you know we definitely don't want to introduce issues or have issues that then enterprise has to patch afterwards yeah exactly that's even more trouble yeah, so there's not any one cookie cutter approach, and so it ends up being kind of varies, but you know it, it's definitely something that is you know focused and discussed at multiple tiers. Yeah, it's kind of fun because when uh, especially like a big feature, or some new features added to online, everybody's got to kind of move at the same time and add support in some way or another and stuff. So it, it it's fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's challenging and fun. Are there any cool things coming online in 2024 that you could talk about? Maybe yeah, stuff yeah. that be ready for Dev Summit. You think? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, uh, two I can think of, and you know, uh, you know, folks may be aware of uh, Map Viewer introduced media layers earlier this year, which is a really powerful feature of being able to uh, quickly geo reference an image on your map and you know add an image and geo reference it. Uh, but up till now, that's only been part of your map. You can't really save it out as an item. So the next powerful step we want to do for this is be able to take that media you geo reference in a map viewer, but now you save it out as its own item. So now in your organization, you can have this geo reference media that all your users have to do is just click and add the map viewer. And now you can have this kind of one shared experience that's driven from the one media rather than everybody has to add the same, you know, the same one. So it's really, it's really going to be a, a, a nice kind of completing feature to the work we've been doing on, on, on media layer. Uh, and that kind of ties into stuff like uh, we've been doing a group layer as well, a recent introduction where you can bring any any number of layers together in, in Map Viewer and then save them out as their own layer. And so it's a really, really powerful way to kind of bring together all this kind of different content into, into uh, one layer. Now, uh, I should say the group layer was already there. Uh, we'll have some more coming enhancements for that uh, as well, but maybe that one won't be for the, uh, the immediate release for this, uh, you know, in, in uh, the first quarter. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say though, is uh, this is a really cool one. Is that so? Uh, you know, Map Viewers really had a lot of focus, you know, with the API as well on aggregation, whether it's clustering, whether it's binning, and we hope to keep on, or we're going to keep on evolving that. And uh, uh, it will remain to be seen. Uh, it's kind of early if whether this happens in Q1 or Q2, but right now you can only cluster or bin on points, you know, point geometry. But we want to expand that to both polygon and line data. So if you have, you know, high density polygon data, parcels, maybe, uh, you know, super fine grain power outages, you know, be able to aggregate them and kind of have that view that's similar to what you would have with uh, point features with clustering or binning. And so that's going to be a really, uh, really cool uh, uh, strategy for, uh, you know, larger data. Um, so super excited to get that one out. And there'll be some other related enhancements coming along with aggregation, but that's, that's going to be the coolest one out of it. That's really cool. I can imagine that being very popular for people that are dealing with large parcel data, uh, especially like LA County, <laughs> which has like a ridiculous number of parcels and would want to do some kind of like nice aggregation with that. That's very cool. Yeah. And that's I, funny you say that because that's a, I have LA County parcel data with like <laughs> 1.2 million parcels. I'm going to test with that. <laughs> it is insane. I used to work with that all the time. It is just a massive amount of data. It's like, Oh, so much to work with. It was slow my arc map down so much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> Which is really cool that, that we can bring this into the web, right? Yeah, exactly. Ten years ago, that you could render 1.2 million parcels on a, on a web map in your browser. <laughs> <laughs> and the media layer is really cool too because I can see that being used a lot by agencies that have all these old paper maps they want to scan in but they don't really have time to digitize them, you know, in a, in a nice way. So they can quickly probably have someone go through and start georeferencing them and publishing them as items uh, and online somewhere for someone, which makes it much easier to share that data. Because right now, if you were, and this happened to me, you work at one public agency and you need old land maps or land surveyor maps from back in the day or ranchos, you had to go to public works and you had to ask someone, to make a copy for you. So you just got to sit there and wait a good 20, 30 minutes or so, and they'll give you a copy back. And, you know, like you take that back to the office. And now you're going to digitize that based on this info in there. Sometimes you got to pull like a dozen maps just to get one little parcel drawn because it references all these other maps and stuff, which is kind of insane too. So people that will be able to publish that data directly into online as media layer stuff, is going to be very cool. I hope to see that a lot in the future. I really do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that'll be really cool. And it's, you know, and it's interesting the the adoption, how, you know, how how we see like how new features are really kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, brought to life by our users and their maps and content and everything. And, you know, we're just kind of starting to see that with media layer. You know, we see a lot of folks that really grasp it right away and, you know, see it and really start using it. But it takes, you know, six months to a year maybe before we really kind of see it proliferate. And so we're getting to that point now with media layers. So super exciting to like see what users are doing out there. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. I look forward to that. All right, Chris. So before I let you go, man, you got any tips, tricks, advice for listeners? Uh, anything at uh, all, man? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got two things, and it's uh, uh, similar to what I just said about Media Layer, about, you know, me checking out what users are doing, is that's what, you know, I, I, I try to carve out time every week to check out users' maps. You know, that's one of the, one of the most wonderful things about not just ArcGIS Online, not just WebGIS, but, you know, our, our cloud our, our cloud society now, um, you know, so many, so many maps are out there that you can see and stuff. So I spend a lot of time or spend time every week kind of just going through ArcGIS Online and kind of seeing what users are creating, you know, what they're doing. And then furthermore, uh, ArcGIS Online has uh, authoritative content and not just like Esri and Living Atlas, but there's a mechanism where organizations are, can go to Esri and say, hey, uh, we're going to verify we are who we say we are. And then we're going to get our content that we make public. We have the opportunity to say it's authoritative with, of course, with, you know, proper citations and everything else. You know, so, you know, whenever I was in school and in, in early years and stuff like that, finding authoritative content and trying to cite and reference things was a lot. You know, I called the FAA. I called the Census Bureau. Yeah. You know, I was tracking down data. It was like really trying to, like, you know, come up with uh, citations and references and stuff like that. You know, but with RGS Online, authoritative content is like there's so much wonderful data out there. And then as you know, you know, users are then using some of the cool tools, whether it is Media Layer, whether it is like blending and map viewer to really produce these awesome products. And it's just like, uh, you know, back when at the beginning when I talked about like, hey, I want to do what I wanted, you know, geography. I didn't want to do computer science or whatever <laughs> else. And looking at those maps and kind of having inspiration from those maps and kind of seeing what users are doing is absolutely what I was thinking then, what I wanted to do 20 years ago. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome, Chris. That's a great advice, man. It's always useful to look at what other people are doing. Check out what the users of our stuff are doing, right? I always enjoy that. I always enjoy when people send me the work that they do with our stuff because, yep. that, I mean, you're using it. Thank you. Thank you for using our stuff. Thank you for sharing stuff and publishing and everything. It's great. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. First and foremost, it's really gratifying, and you know, and it feels great that you see people that are successfully using things that you build. You know, and then and then furthermore, then it's like a feedback loop of inspiration for like, hey, this is the next step we can do, or or we see people are using tools in this way. How can we make it more convenient for them? Yep, exactly. Awesome, Chris. Well, thank you very much, man. And I'll be seeing you next time. All right, cool, Renee. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.